You are listening to LEC Online Church, a ministry of Lake Erie Church in Madison, Ohio. We are a multicultural, multi-generational Pentecostal church. For more information, please visit our website at lakeeriechurch.com. Now, we hope you enjoy today's message. Let's open our Bibles this morning, please. Uh, to the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 5. We are continuing, um, we're continuing our look at stories in the New Testament where Jesus shows up in a very important season and time. Uh, last week we talked about how God meets us in the middle of our fight that the enemy is out to torment us and coming against us, but God is there to empower us to win the battle over our temptations and over our struggles. Uh, the week before that, we talked about the fact that the Lord meets us in our storm, that when we are going through a storm, we find that He's already in the boat with us, He's helping us, He's navigating with us. And this week, a whole different kind of story and we're talking about God meeting us in the middle of a delay. So let's stand together for the reading of God's Word from Mark chapter 5. And we'll begin with verse 21. Let me give you a heads up that this is a very unique sequence of Scripture. Because we're going to only read three verses and then we're going to skip down because the story is interrupted. And so in order to follow, we'll go 21 through 24. 20, uh, excuse me, yeah, 21 through 24, and then we will skip over and pick up in verse 35. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet Pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying, he said. Please come, lay your hands on her, heal her so she can live. Verse 24, Jesus went with him. All the people followed, crowding around him. Skip down to verse 35. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the house of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There is no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Say that with me. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they had come to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. Verse 40, the crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, To Lithia kum, which means, Little girl, get up. 
And the daughter, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. I'll read that one again. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you this morning for what you're about to do in this room. There's not a doubt in my mind that you have ordained this moment on behalf of someone that is listening to me right now. They may be riding in their car. They may be watching online. They may be sitting in this room right now. But you have divinely ordered that they should hear what's about to be said. Lord, I pray today for the kind of anointing that allows teaching and preaching to be effective. And I pray both for the speaker and the hearer that, God, you would give this congregation, this hearer, wherever they may be, the ability to hear what the Spirit is saying to their heart. And, Father, I'm careful that you should receive the glory and the praise for anything that happens today. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. There is a very popular movie series that is circulating around in the world. You probably have seen one of the three seasons of that movie series called The Chosen. And uh, it is an adaptation of the New Testament and the life of Jesus primarily through the eyes of the disciples. And in the, the, the movie series The Chosen, this story is depicted as a religious leader who is intrigued by the teaching of Jesus. He works in the synagogue and so because of that he is among the Jewish leaders who scoff at Jesus and are bewildered at the miracles that he's doing. The difference for this man that the Bible calls Jairus is his daughter is sick. And they've apparently tried everything. And this comes out in the, in the movie. They've tried everything and, and doctor after doctor has simply shaken their head and there's nothing more that can be done. And as this daughter gets progressively worse... The wife says to the husband, something must happen. You must do something. He doesn't know what to do and yet he keeps hearing about this man Jesus and, and, and the miracles that are taking place. And so finally he decides as a last ditch effort, he's going to go find Jesus. Now again, that is someone's interpretation of that, but it probably makes sense that it would not be illogical to think that's what happened. Because that's kind of the way we do. You and I get into crisis moments. We get into struggles. And we have a tendency to do everything that we can do on our own. And then we go looking for Jesus. I mean, you probably have said it. You probably have heard it said. People would say, I've done everything I know to do. I guess we just need to pray. As if prayer is the last thing that you should do. 
But that's what happens with this father. He, he, he doesn't know what else to do. He's run out of options. And so he goes looking for Jesus. In short order, he finds Jesus. And you remember from last week, the narrative is just flowing here. In, in Mark chapter 5, Jesus has just delivered a man who has been full of many demons. And, uh, and Jesus gets back in the boat and he and the disciples head across the Sea of Galilee and they come up to the other side. And when they come, Jairus is waiting on him. And he says to Jesus, I have a daughter who is dying. She is very, very sick. And I'm asking you to come to my house. Put your hands on her and heal her and make her whole. And Jesus says to Jairus, I'll do that. Now, can you imagine what just happened in Jairus' heart when Jesus said that? Because I guess he rehearsed that speech all the way to where Jesus was. How he was going to approach him, what he was going to say. And he's hoping that Jesus will respond in a positive and affirming way. And when he tells Jesus his need, Jesus says, okay, let's go. And they start walking toward Jairus' house. Now, again, some of this is just the way that I visualize, but, but I can hardly not assume that as Jairus is walking, he's thinking, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. And I'm going to get my daughter's going to be all right, and it's going to be okay. When all of a sudden, because of this massive crowd of people that are following around Jesus, all of a sudden, out of that crowd, a woman slips into that crowd and pushes her way toward Jesus and reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. Now, we'll talk a lot about this woman next week if you come back. But she has already determined in her heart that if she can just touch the hem of his garment, she's going to be made whole. And the moment the Bible said that she touches him, the issue of her blood dries up and she is instantly whole and she knows that she's healed. But something else that happens there is Jesus knows that somebody's touched him. And he stops. He just stops walking and he starts looking around for where this has happened. And he says to his disciples who touched me, and the disciples are like, you got to be kidding. We're getting crushed in this crowd. What do you mean? Everybody's touching. He said, no, no, no. Virtue has gone out from me. Somebody, somebody got a miracle, and I want to know who it is. And, so he, and while he's looking, he's not walking. While he is inquiring, he's not headed toward Iris' house. Whatever momentum they had had, whatever, whatever progress had been made, just stopped. It just stopped. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, out of this crowd comes this woman and she falls before Jesus and she tells him the whole story. Now that's significant. Because when the Bible says she told him the whole story, it meant that it wasn't over, that conversation wasn't over just like that. She falls before the Lord and she goes, she's had 12 years, she's got a lot to tell him. And she's telling the Lord the whole story. And while she's telling the Lord the whole story, what's going on with Jairus? Nothing. Nothing. He asked Jesus to go. Jesus said, I'll go. They start going and they get started on that direction. And all of a sudden they stop and nothing has happened. Have you ever been there? 
when you thought you were on the right track, you thought you were doing the right thing, and all of a sudden nothing's happening. Nothing's going on. There's no progress. There's no, there's no thing happening. And so you don't, you don't know what to do at that point. Now in my mind, I got Jairus sitting over here on a stone going, Come on, Jesus. Come on. We got to go. My daughter is sick. Thank God for what God's done. Thank God for this woman. But we got to go. Because that's the way I do. That's the way I do. So here's the question. How do we manage our faith in Christ when God doesn't work according to our expectations? How do we manage our faith and confidence that God is the healer, that God is the deliverer, that God is the answer to our prayer when in fact He's not working according to our timeline? And I want you to see it because it's right in front of you. Here's the, there's, there's three things. I'm going to give you all three. You have to manage your disappointments. You've got to decide what you're going to believe. And you've got to find your hope in the presence of Jesus. So let's look at those three. Here's the first one. You have to manage your disappointment. Why is Jairus disappointed? He's disappointed because God is not meeting his expectations. God is not doing what Jairus wanted him to do. Jesus is not moving in accordance with what Jairus wanted God to do. And therefore, he's disappointed. Disappointments occur when our expectations are not met. Many years ago, I wrote this in one of my books, that there is a tombstone in every heart where unmet expectations are buried. All of us have them. All of us have those places where we thought God was going to do something, but He didn't do it. And we had to manage our disappointments. And it may be that some of you here have dealt with that kind of experience. When you were faithfully trusting God for the miracle or the answer, and nothing was happening but it felt like that everybody else was getting the Lord's attention. And you're disappointed. We probably have all stood in a graveyard and wondered why God didn't answer a prayer. We probably all dealt with trauma and difficulty in our life. And we've wondered why it didn't happen the way that we asked God to do it. And those who try to console us are so quick to give us these scriptures like, My ways are not your ways, saith the Lord. Well, thank God for that, but it doesn't help me. I'm struggling in my disappointment that what I wanted did not come to pass. That what I asked God for, what I needed God to do, what I asked God to help me with did not come to pass. How do I manage my disappointment? His disappointment arises from the fact that God's timetable is not the same as His. Have you noticed at times while how, how different, differently you and I manage time? You ever said this to God, God, I need you right now. Do you think that moves God? He understands why you say it. But remember that God is eternal. He is omnipresent, which means that there is no difference between yesterday, today, and tomorrow with God. 
So God's not working on a 24-hour clock. He's not going to say, we got to get this done before dinner. Because God's time is eternal. He sees it all in the same. I'm not that way. And I'll tell you something else I've learned over the years. I don't have the privilege of other people's time. Have you noticed that? If you want to know how that works, you call your doctor's office in the morning. And you tell them that you want to see them right now. And you're going to hear it. Buzz. Or they're going to say, you know what? The next available appointment is December 14th. It's even worse if you go to the doctor's office and you've got a 9.15 appointment. That don't mean anything. And I know, I'm just thinking about people right here. we got several nurses in our church, and I'm not trying to be harsh here, but I just want you to understand from the other side of the equation, appointments don't actually mean appointments. That's just the time that we're supposed to show up so we can wait. So you got a 915 appointment, you go at 915, well you get there, they want you to come early to fill out the paperwork, so you get there at 9 o'clock, you fill out the paperwork, which takes about 40 seconds. And then you wait. Like I went this week for a doctor's appointment, it was time for my annual physical, and I always book the very first appointment, because I don't like to wait, I want to be the very first one. That don't help. She's back there drinking coffee. It's time for the appointment, you know. And uh, I can't prove this, and so please don't be, I'm not, I'm, I can't prove it. But I almost believe the woman behind the glass has some sort of extrasensory perception. Because just about the time that I am so completely frustrated with my waiting, and I'm about to say, forget this, I'm going home. She calls back there and says, I think he's about to blow. We better call him. And they'll say, Mr. Isaacs, we're ready for you now. So they take me back to a room and they take my blood pressure. They, you know, they do all the vitals and all that kind of stuff. And then you're going to wait again. But they don't care this time because they just took your clothes. You're not going anywhere. You're just going to wait. So I've become a very adept solitaire player because I sit there and play solitaire waiting on the doctor to, to come. And then they always come in and go, I'm so sorry you had to wait. And I say, you know, I am too. You don't have the privilege of time. And one of the problems that we have in dealing with God is that we want God to work on the timetable that we work on. But God doesn't do that. And it causes us to be disappointed and as I was putting all this together, I was thinking about the struggle you and I have with waiting. How we, we struggle to wait. But maybe, maybe it would help us if we looked at waiting, especially in the spiritual context, in a different way. Because some of you sitting here today, I know you're waiting. You're waiting for a miracle for, for your body. You're waiting for, for something to happen that you want. I, I, I think about... You know, young women in our church who, who have us praying because they want to meet the right guy and they've, they've saved themselves and they've waited. And when is it going to happen? When is God going to help me to fulfill that piece of my life? And you're waiting. 
Or maybe you've been wanting to have a child. You, you and your, your husband want to have a child. Or you and your wife want to have a child. And you've been waiting. And it feels like you're waiting forever and nothing's happening. Or maybe like one of, one of my good friends, one of my men here in the church, he's been praying for years as long as I've been his pastor. He and I talk about it. We've been praying for his children to be saved. And it feels like they're not getting closer to God. They're getting further away. Waiting. So maybe we need to look at waiting. And maybe we need to, to look at waiting as if it is God changing me. That in the waiting, God is not delaying me. He's changing me. He's giving me the opportunity to become more of what He wants me to be. More trusting. More believing. I looked here this morning. I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to... To embarrass, I know I won't embarrass, but Donna Link is up here praising the Lord this morning, the day after her brother dies. Worshiping the Lord out of her pain. Maybe waiting is the time where God says, can you worship me when life is hard? Can you worship me when you can't make sense of it? Can you give me praise when you don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing? He's disappointed. You have to learn how to manage your disappointments. But secondly, you have to learn how, or you have to decide what it is you're going to believe. I love this part of the story. Visualize with me that Jesus and the woman are there. They're having this incredible conversation. Everybody's hearing what she's testifying to. Jairus is sitting over there just hoping that this will soon be over. He's waiting. And then they come and tap him on the shoulder. Hey, just thought I'd let you know your daughter has passed away. There's no need to continue to bother Jesus anymore. Now, here's one of the most incredible things about Jesus. He's deeply invested right here, but he knows what's going on over here. You understand what I'm saying? He's blessing somebody else, but he's got his eyes on you. He's got his heart fixed on you. He's talking to this woman here, but he hears what's happening, and he just turns and he says to him, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. Such a powerful, powerful thought that you and I have to live in that, in that middle ground. Don't be afraid, just believe. Because see, what Jairus has been afraid of this whole time is she's going to die before I get home. She's not going to make it. She was that sick. I, I thought we needed to hurry back to the house. She's dead. So now what do you do? You decide what you're going to believe. Are you going to believe what the man told you? Or are you going to believe what Jesus said? Are you going to believe the promise of God in spite of what it is that you've heard? The, the, thought, the question came to me this week as I was praying. Just when is bad news bad news? Because... You can go through the scripture and you can trace a lot of times where it felt like it was bad news, but it wasn't really bad news. When Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery, that was bad news, or, or was it? Because what happened was God was opening up a cycle in which Joseph was going to see the purpose of God fulfilled in his life. So that bad news wasn't actually bad news. 
if you ask Joseph what's the worst thing that could have happened to you, he might have said the day my brother sold me into slavery. But then when he's bounced three generations of grandchildren, if you said to Joseph what's the best thing that ever happened to you, he would say the day my brother sold me into slavery. Because God then opened up. What I'm trying to say is this. That sometimes you have to decide whether it's bad news or not bad news. Because sometimes bad news is a door God has just opened. So you could step into something you could never have gotten to if it hadn't been for the bad news. Just deciding what it is that you're going to believe. What you are willing, as I said last week. What are you willing to put your weight on? Would you be willing to stake your life to the claims and promises of Jesus? When circumstances don't happen the way that you expect? Are you willing to trust and believe God even when it doesn't feel like things are working in your direction? Here's another question. What have you put your faith in? Have you put your faith in the outcome that you want? Or have you put your faith in the Jesus who is the healer of your body? Or the Jesus who is the answer of your prayer? Have you put your faith in the outcome or in the God who is able? Don't you know it was hard to stand there and wait and watch somebody else getting an answer to their prayer and then hearing that your hopes and dreams have been dashed? And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Don't base your faith on what's happening with somebody else or what you're being told. Trust me that I have told you what's going to happen. Don't be afraid. Just believe. You say, I know, Pastor, it sounds really good. It's very, very good, but... Uh, that's not what's happening for me. You know, I've been around long enough that I've learned that emotions are very tricky. If you're not careful, you can have a lot of ups and downs in your day. Have you ever noticed that? And you have to learn how to manage the emotional responses to the challenges that you're facing. Are you going to be driven by emotion? Or are you going to be driven by faith? Are you going to allow the circumstances that you're living in to dictate your mood and your emotions? Or are you going to stand on what God said and His word was true? You have to learn how to manage your emotions. God is counting on you and I to stand firm in our faith, even when the circumstances don't match up or our expectations have been delayed. So you have to manage your disappointment, but you also have to decide what you want to believe. And then thirdly and lastly, you have to find hope in the presence of Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Where was Jairus standing when the word came that his daughter had died? He's standing right beside Jesus. Where were the disciples when the storm caused them to think that they were going to drown? They're standing right beside Jesus. 
I think that it's so easy for us, and we've talked about this numerous times. We are so quick to forget where Jesus is. We are so quick to forget what Jesus has done. And I'm just wondering, I can't prove it, but I'm just wondering if as Jairus stands there and he's hearing this woman say, 12 years, doctors, I never got better. I didn't think there was anything that could happen, but my faith was in you. And I said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. Was there a moment when Jairus said, my God, if he can do that for her, what can he do at my house? Was there a moment when his faith was in Jesus enough to say, he's right here. The same man that healed her is the same man that's going to my house. And with him, apparently, there isn't anything too hard for God to do. How many people in this room have had God heal you before? Stand up. I've had the healing touch of God on my, stand up, stand up. I know God heals. Look here. Look at all the people. That God is, if, you, if you're here this morning and you need healing, look around this room. Look at all the people God has healed. Thank you, you can be seated. And if God can do that for them, what can God do for you? If God can do that for them, what can God do for you? If you've ever had, listen, it's getting easier. If you've ever had God come through for you in a crisis, stand up. what I'm saying now the Bible tells me this God is no respecter of persons he doesn't love me any more than he loves you and God will come through for you you may be seated where do we find our hope we find our hope in the fact that Jesus is present with us two weeks ago we talked about the fact that disciples forgot that Jesus was right in the boat with them while they're going through their storm, they forgot that Jesus said, I'm never going to leave you. So if you're waiting, if you're going through delay, you are not alone. You can find your hope even in disappointment, even in delay. You can find your hope in the presence of Jesus. Because as long as Jesus is with us, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to give up our hope as long as Jesus is with us. As long as the Lord knows where we are, knows where we're going, knows what's happening. You know, there's over 8 billion people on this planet this morning. You're just one of 8 billion people. That's a number that's so vast and so large, it's impossible for any of us to really calculate how many people there are. but he knows every one of us. And he knows us so intimately that Jesus said this very absurd thing. He said, he knows the number of hair that are on your head. Isn't that a weird way to, to describe how much Jesus knows and how much God loves us? He knows the number of hair. And for some of us, that's a number that changes every day.
It was about 1997, 1998, and uh, I had gotten myself in a bad place. Part of it was my own fault. Part of it was the result of bad decisions that I'd made and not um, managing my emotions, allowing myself to get emotionally invested in something that, you know, didn't come to pass and I got messed up. I, I have at times in my life had to battle anxiety. I don't know that I've ever had depression, but I, I know what it is to go through periods of time where you're so like a cloud just settles over you and you just don't know how to function. I'd go to the doctor and the doctor would prescribe medication and for me, and I'm not speaking against medication, I'm telling you it's fine, but for me when I took the medication I felt like I just dropped into a cave. And whenever the medication wore off I had to come out of the cave to get more medication and I just, it just wasn't working for me. Don't read that as anything. I'm not telling anybody to stop taking your medication. I'm just telling you what I was dealing with at the time. I, I, at that time, I was working in a job where I preached in a different church every weekend. But I had stopped taking those appointments because I didn't want to face anybody. I didn't want to deal with anybody. I, I was running away from fears and anxieties that were keeping me awake at night. I was, I, I was just, I was a mess. talk to you know my family about doing something else about getting out of the ministry and doing something else with my life and just whatever so Sunday night my children were involved in a nearby church my wife sang in the choir so we all were going to church on a Sunday night I came in the back of the room large church set over on this side in the back by myself when the man got up to speak that night, he started singing, Jerome. Before he preached, he started singing an old song. Rise and be healed in the name of Jesus. Let faith arise in your soul. Rise and be healed in the name of Jesus. He will touch you and make you whole. And I got up. I started walking the aisle and I came and stood right about there. And I began to weep and cry before the Lord. A man that was sitting on this side of the room over here got up and came over where I was. I knew him. I'd known him for a long time. He came over and stood right in front of me and he grabbed a hold of my face. And he said to me very quietly, he said, Bill, when you got out of your chair and walked toward the front, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And said, so go up there and tell him, I know where you are. He just very gently laid his hand on me. And when he did, I fell out. Now, I, I, I don't fall out that often, but I fell out that day. I don't know how long I laid on the floor. But when I got up, my family gathered around me and they said to me, are you all right? I said, I am now. My son said, how do you know? How do you know? I said, because he just told me he knew where I was. Listen, I don't have to understand all the thithers and hithers in this book. I don't consider myself to be a great theologian, but I tell you what I do need. When I'm in a crisis, I need to know that he knows where I'm at. 
when I'm in a when I'm in a tough spot, when I'm trying to make sense out of my life, when I when I'm trying to make sense out of the chaos that life has become I just need to know with a confidence he's right there he's right there he's not that far away from me he's not on the other side of the world he's not so busy with what's going on in the Middle East this morning that he can't come to where I'm at and take care of my situation don't be afraid, just believe, he said. I'm right here. I haven't gone anywhere. I, I haven't left your situation. I know where you are. I know what you're going through. Don't be afraid. Just believe. He knows where you are. He knows what put you to sleep last night. He knows how anxious you've been about the last month. He knows what's going on with your kids. He knows what's going on in your body. Don't be afraid, just believe believe every head bowed every eye closed I feel the presence of the Lord in this room this morning I know that God is speaking somebody watching me online right now God's talking to you this very moment I feel it in my heart that God is speaking to you through this word this morning you thought the Lord forgot you you thought the Lord had given up you thought your process was over no it's not it's just beginning You've been waiting, but God's been changing you. God's been doing something in you. Even in your sorrow, even in your difficulty, God's been at work to bring about a faith in you that will be tested by the fire. Because faith is not faith until it's been tested. Until it's been put to the test. To say, I choose to believe that God is my keeper, that God is my helper today. And wherever you are, in this room, or online, or listening to me in a podcast, I'm challenging you right now to trust God like never before. That what you thought was a delay is not a delay. You're still on the road. You're still going to the miracle. Jesus and Jairus did make it to that house. That little girl was there and Jesus spoke the same word. He spoke the word and she got up from where she was. Exactly what Jairus wanted. Exactly what he had been praying for. Because he keeps his promises. He kept his promise to Jairus. He keeps his promise to you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to stand there with you. I'm going to help you through the crisis. You may not have understood why things have happened. You may not have understood why he left, why she left. You may not know why things have occurred in your career the way that they did. It could very well be that the loss of that job was the best thing that ever happened. It may very well be that that sleepless night started you on a journey where God's taking you somewhere you would have never gotten to if you'd have just kept going the way that you were. I feel so strongly this morning, this word is for somebody in this house that God is trying to help you. Don't panic. Don't panic. Don't panic about who he is or what he does or how he works. Trust him. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe.
want you to say that with me. Don't be afraid. Come on. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. That's your word this morning. We hope you were blessed by today's message. Now we invite you to visit one of our services soon. For more information, please visit us at lakeeriechurch.com.